This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hi, everybody. Today, we're at episode 32, and I have Ekta Adani. I did that right, right? Awesome. You got it I got a right. Amazing. Yay, yay, <laughs> yay. You have the coolest name. I never would have thought to have, like, it's A-K-T-A, so that I would never have expected to pronounce the A like that. Um, but, you know, how many names? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going there, but, you know, thank you so much for joining. Tell me tell me where you are and, um, you know, what's what time it is and, yeah. Yes, I'm here in San Francisco. I just moved into this new apartment, like, literally last weekend, so... Uh, you know, still settling into this new neighborhood that I'm at. But yeah, in San Francisco, it's 9 a.m. As usual, a gloomy day in SF, but yeah, staying indoors and safe. So that's what it is. Well, that's amazing. So let me ask you, I have to ask you the obvious question. Are you, did you move to a new apartment in San San Francisco specifically because rents are going down? Yes, yes, I am one of those. I did take advantage of it. And I was like, you know, the few times in my life when I can afford, when SF is low on, like, low in terms of rental pricing, we're like, we'd be fools not to take advantage of it. So, yes, absolutely one of those people. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I would have done the same thing if if I was looking for an apartment in New York City, at least. Not so much San Francisco, because I have no reason to be in San Francisco right now. But New York City, yeah. for me personally, that would be my thing. I, I've always, I mean, I am a city girl. I uh, lived in four of the five boroughs, and it's, it's something that I would love to do in the future. But I'm in the burbs now because, you know, kids... And, and, and a yard in, in a pandemic, it's really important. But yeah, yeah. So do you have, just curious, do you have uh, new like neighbors who are doing the same thing? Are you seeing like a, what is, what's the dynamic like? Where did you come from? And like, how far is your commute? And yeah, tell me more about that. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I work from home. I've been working from home for a while, but I'm born and raised originally. So I moved to, uh, born and raised originally from India in Mumbai. And I moved to SF about almost five and a half years back. And so been in SF, like moved around tons of neighborhoods. Like this is actually, my husband and I were talking about it. This is like the fifth house that we have basically moved five years since we've been married and living together. So we're hoping fifth is the charm and we probably don't have to move uh, for at least another two years. But yeah. Yeah, I, I understand <laughs> the, the nomad life. Um, I When I was in New York City, especially in college, I never went away for the summer and I moved sometimes half like three times a year. Uh, in college, I had 10 different residences or and then right after wow. it was another like two or three. And then then I got married and made myself started working my way north into like the Bronx from Manhattan to the Bronx to uh, the, uh, the the county right above the Bronx, which is Westchester County. So that's where I am now. But yeah, so so tell me so tell me a little bit about like what brought you to um, to San Francisco. I assume you're doing something in the tech startup world. Give me a little bit of detail about your your what you do and your history and all that. And yes, I don't know the history, everybody listeners, because sometimes I will say that there have been the last two or three podcasts where I have asked for a little bit of context. But in this case. I have no idea. So let's so oh, tell so me a little more about that. Oh, so this is a complete surprise. Okay, great. So I can say anything I want and be anyone I want right now. 
Yeah, so I mean, let me start off with what I do, right? So yeah, like I said, here in San Francisco, San Francisco since five years, and um, you know what? Yeah, I have been in the tech. I have to say, I hate saying it, but I'm going to say it. Yes, I'm here at SF in the tech. I'm a founder, although I'm not an engineer. I am a founder, and this is my actually my third startup that I'm working on, and the startup the that I'm working on right now it's called Nomadery, and the whole objective behind that is that we're building basically. a wholesale commerce platform that caters to retailers and suppliers from around the world but specifically focused on sustainability and impact where uh, you get completely end to end traceability in your supply chain so think of like the farm to table movement that has changed the way we think consume and digest and shop for food we're basically taking that and bringing to the world of uh, retail That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. So so yeah. So you tell me this is your third startup. So uh, I guess you do have some sort of trajectory you want to share. And it's great to know that you like you know you've. I don't want to say you've had failed startups, but it's nice to be among the you know among the company of somebody who has obviously been there, done that. Because yeah, I have had my own failed startups. I've worked. I've created my own. I've started my own. I get it. Um yeah and I think I think it's it's good because you know the more you do the better you are and and I was just sharing this book in a in a previous meeting that I'm going to just point it out here uh you can't see it um we're actually we do have a video chat here and I'm going to hold it against my body here there we go we have a video chat and I'm using a background on Skype here and it's the upside of down why failing well is the key to success by Megan McArdle and it's extraordinarily timely it's funny because this is not the kind of book i would like because it's a little more political politically oriented than i like in general mm-hmm. but i've been talking to a lot of people who have who are in this boat we're all about like learning and growing and all these things so tell me a little bit more about your experience and um how you got to where you are today Yeah so I'll give you a little background right some like I said born and raised in India so I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs so both my parents have been entrepreneurs pretty much all their life and have complete they don't work together they have their own independent businesses that they've set up and run from scratch and so I felt like I've kind of grown up in that ecosystem and because both of them have been in manufacturing for me I've always seen that when I see a product I've always seen the work that goes behind get, making a physical product versus oh this looks so great and you know i need to just the aesthetic side of it right so for me i've seen i've been exposed to that <clears throat> a lot of my summer vacation and holidays have been just spending interning at either of their offices and whatever that took so i think like that's been in my genes and i've seen the value creation side of things but <clears throat> as soon as i graduated i did the exact opposite and i think my parents were amazing to encourage me with i was like oh i'm going to go get a job because i don't want to do get into your business right away i don't know if i want to spend more time with my parents and so um you know got into like investment banking and uh, you know worked at morgan stanley and ended up staying there for like 6 years absolutely loved it uh, it taught me so much about just like you know being in a corporate environment but more than anything else in terms of like culture just looking at numbers it kind of made me a little bit of a data geek and i love that uh so yeah you know i ended up staying like 6 years at morgan stanley then went moved to bloomberg which is again a data financial services company ended up staying there for 4 years and did like a bunch of things there right from like sales and product development to like customer service so kind of covered that aspect significantly and Oh uh, yeah, and then I moved on, and 
it was at the at, at my 10 year mark that i moved here to san francisco because i met my husband back then my boyfriend so moved here we got married and moved here and then i started i joined another company as like the fifth employee in the startup completely in the machine learning recruitment space nothing to do with anything that i had done except the fact that i knew i knew one of the co-founders of that company and i'd worked with him at morgan stanley and i thought he's one of the smartest people i know so i'm just going to like work with him to see how how this all plays out and also i got to work from home so i could wake up in the morning and be in pajamas and didn't have to worry about wearing a suit which i'd done for 10 years of my life so it was great uh, that taught me a lot we got acquired by hired.com uh, pretty quickly and so uh that was kind of an interesting uh, experience to have to go through and witness and then i was like oh okay so i think i can do this now and i'm going to go back and something led to basically me saying okay i want to basically start my own business and i don't think there was like a lot of people ask me like was there a specific moment or like had you been thinking about this for 3 to 5 3 months or so and i'm like no it was just it was an impulse i just felt it and i quit that job and i kind of just started this business and that business was called kaira and veer which failed I ran that business for about 3 and a half years uh you know raised some venture money for it and decided in november of 2018 to shut that business down and uh, for for a variety of reasons i could probably write my own book just based on what i learned from that experience it was i wouldn't give it up for anything else but yeah and then uh, you know all I spent like 2019 kind of just focusing on myself right and whatever that meant to me like you know i needed to grieve i needed to like get figure my life out and whatever that you know or my mom kind of called it like my midlife crisis although that came in a little bit earlier <laughs> anyway so you know it took a year to myself to just figure out what i wanted to do next with my life and yeah here i am on my next company and uh, with an amazing co-founder and we're on this journey of changing the way retail works uh, in the world well that's amazing i'm i took a couple of notes for like follow up <laughs> questions here uh so like you you know you talked about your how your parents were both entrepreneurs so i guess you really had a culture of that fostered that creativity and that like hustle so i wanted to maybe talk about that but also what because you said they had two different two separate businesses so what was it that they were doing that was different yeah so i think you know just from the hustle perspective uh they just basically let us do whatever we wanted to do right and i think really if i have to like dig deep in terms of that i don't think there was like a specific point but i think there were just like many things like you know at a young age they allowed me to like cross the road or like take a bus so allowed me to be very independent and taught me like hey go and open you know run this bank errand and i think those kind of taught me to be very independent and make decisions on the spot and i would say like that kind of they encouraged me a lot to do that yeah so my dad had his own uh, chemical manufacturing plant so he would make these like healing ointments which uh, he would make the oil and then he would basically produce that so that was his business extremely male dominated it was unheard of that you actually had a woman working in your employees or in management or anything like that and that was just the reality and my mom's business was uh, at the extreme basically in fashion where she is uh, she'd make custom made clothing so she had her own boutique uh, you know tailoring a, a service where she would have customers and she would make uh, made to order clothing for women in india cool i like it yeah. i love it i love it i love i love that culture i really want to foster that culture with my children but I don't know how receptive they are right now. They want to be more like daddy when he grows up and he's very corporate and I don't know about that. I think I think mentally, you know, rich dad poor dad style, 
I don't know if that's the right way to go. <laughs> but that being said, I that obviously is a longer conversation somewhere else, not here. <laughs> but you know, you know, when you were saying how you had like you know a startup, it was acquired by uh, hired, and how earlier I, I shared this book, and I'm kind of embarrassed in a way because, like, when you said I have I've been here for five years and this is my third startup, I'm like, okay, my assumption is all of a sudden failed startup, but I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So yeah, I was, I apologize. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm kind of like eating my words now and I was kind of embarrassed by that, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. Um, the other thing is when you say you were going to write, I'm sorry, today is not, today seems to be a, a book shout out day. It doesn't, it's, I'm not usually, it, well, well, I am well read nowadays, but I don't usually have books to like apply to every single thing I'm, I'm podcasting about. But you said, you know, you want to write a book about your experience. You should take a look at Ben Horowitz's book from Anderson Horowitz, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, because he really like he gets very, very blunt about the challenges of starting a startup and working in a startup culture. And he's like he, he throws F-bombs left and right. The you know, when when you read a book, every chapter, usually it's prefaced by like a quote by like. Aristotle or Socrates or like, you know, Napoleon Hill, his quotes are like, you know, Little Ness, like Snoop Dogg, all the quote, all the cursors, but like, but he, but the book has nothing, like it's nothing on that. And he really, really, he just talks about these, this is the reality. This was my reality running a company that was literally about to go to like from hero to zero and then was acquired for 1 billion plus. I mean, it's an interesting, it's an interesting read. A lot of these things I'm hoping to deal with in the future and I'll have to read it again. But, you know, he, like he was running a company with thousands, hundreds of thousands of hundreds or thousands of employees. I'm not sure. And he had a lot of struggles, like what you, what you do when you have to like fire your, a friend that you recruited or an amazingly capable person. They didn't grow in like really, really interesting challenges. So I would say read that and then write your story because you should still write your story. I'm not telling you not to. I'm saying supplement it. Supplement it and use that as inspiration. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on from, I guess, yeah. this, 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 this really like cool like story about you because it's no, it's, it's nice to be among entrepreneurs in general. And I certainly have had a focus of uh, my, in, in, in the context of recruiting for a podcast, especially when you're a no-name podcast and to some degree it still is, you know, I've, I started by recruiting within a running community and then a women's entrepreneur community. I'm going to have my first male on it. Like, I think I'm interviewing him tomorrow, you know, like after 32 episodes, <laughs> finally wow, about to get there. I always funny. wanted to, but like, yeah, so, but so it's, it's nice to, definitely nice to hear that. Um, I, I want to, I know obviously my story, I, I talk about, um, how the common sense podcast really comes from a place of adversity. I wouldn't have been in that place if I didn't have my own rise above the ashes story. And I know you have something to share. I, again, I'm coming in on this listeners completely blind. I don't know anything. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, look, I do agree. I think, uh, you know, so one of the things that I know you mentioned before I get started was that you mentioned like failure, right? And I think one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is that failure is actually a word that everyone looks at very negatively. If anything, I have learned to embrace failure because I feel like that's where your biggest learning and that's where magic happens in your life, regardless of what you pursue. So just want to put it out there and, and coming to the topic of adversity, right? I would say, uh, you know, obviously when I started my company, Kaira and Veer, 
uh, you know, you, everyone starts off with like this grand vision that they have. And then, you know, you get first customers, you get your second customers, you get your first 50 customers. And that kind of is, it's almost like a drug that, you know, you're like, yeah, I'm onto something and, you know, you're highly motivated, et cetera. Right. And I would say that the adversity came in like different phases. I think the first one was like, I think it had been like about, I was a solo founder in that company. And so I was basically making decisions every single second without thinking that, you know, what is this decision going to lead to, right? And I think, so I would say that at almost like a two and a half year mark at the company, at, you know, running the company, I kind of hit like this point where I shut down my laptop in the office and I just left because I just had to leave and I got home and I just started crying because I was exhausted. So I would say like that was like one big moment for me recognizing that I was absolutely burnt out and exhausted. And, you know, prior to that, I would like not think of these words. I'm like, yeah, I'm a strong person. You know, I don't burn out and I have, you know, I have stamina to go on. But that was that day that I literally spent three hours literally howling in my apartment and I just didn't want to meet anyone or do anything. And so I think that was a big moment for me that I started accepting that, you know, you don't have to be so strong 24-7 and it's totally okay to like, feel these emotions, right? And embrace them. So I would say like, that was a point for me where then I just like, literally packed my bag. I was like, I just need to be around my known people, which is go back home and be around my family. If that means I like give up my business, that's what I'll do. So look, literally took a month off and just went, uh, you know, and spent time with my family and did other things and kind of found like my, uh, you know, purpose back in terms of like why I was doing what I'm doing. And then I think when I got recharged, it was the same year, 2018, that I decided to shut the business down because even though I was recharged, there was there were a lot of signals, uh, mistakes that I had made for sure, without a doubt. I'm like the first one, like I made a ton of mistakes through the process and learned a lot. And I recognized, and that's when the big decision that I had to make was around, okay, can I go on like this, right? And is this something I want, I can continue doing? And I think that was a big thing for me to kind of, uh, you know, take that decision of shutting a business down where we still had actively paying customers and literally saying to them, hey, you know, we'll deliver your order, but this is the last one and things like that. And having that conversation with all of our employees because it was November, it was around Thanksgiving, uh, pretty crappy time to basically say, hey, I want to shut my business down because everyone's like planning on vacation and spending time with family and don't want to be looking for jobs at that point. So I think I still like tried my best to make sure that everyone was placed in jobs, et cetera. So I'd say like that was a big thing for me. And I didn't allow myself to experience any of it until I decided, until like all of it was completely over. And I think it was like in Jan 2019 when all of it just hit me. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life and where this is going. And uh, this is not what my parents like taught me to do because they both have had successful businesses running for like over 30 years now. And I'm sitting here like, three years in and can't make this work. So I think it was a lot of that, but it's also like, you just have to figure out a way to like, you know, reach out to people, talk to people about it and really embrace that. And I would say like, that was one of the biggest uh, adversities, which today I celebrate because I think I would, I would not have been the person I am today being able to embrace that. And so, yeah, that's what I would say. That's why I also think you need to read uh, the hard thing about hard things because that literally it's 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 a great like he he struggled with a lot of these things um mm -hmm. and he ultimately he's had to make some tough decisions 
didn't have to shut down the entire company and but but at the same time like those were definitely things that he had talked about in the struggle of like their talk uh, you know the the pub, the company he had was publicly traded but it was threatened to be pulled and if it was pulled and the, the amount of it the stock amount like i mean it's really interesting to kind of hear that struggle so i think for you it would be extraordinarily relatable and i'm going to follow up with you and i'm going to see how you how you what your experience is in, in reading it um after the facts we're going to have yeah yeah totally yeah absolutely and be like you need to like you need to have a podcast with him you know <laughs> aspiring aspiring ben horowitz there and see how you know you get that going on so i have the book hard things about hard things at home i've just never gotten to read oh, it oh you need to read it it's perfect uh, for me right now it. yeah but the one that i'm reading is never split the difference okay um, i heard about that should, that's that's the chris it. voss chris voss yeah it's the chris voss one and if you don't have time to read the book just you know take a masterclass of his and watch him there it's like quick 20 minutes it is amazing and it's actually really good so uh i heard i heard i i i had the pdf open a while ago yeah it's a must read like especially like right now uh you know especially as founders you go through like a lot of like no's and things like that and how do you kind of take them as wins i think it's such a great way to kind of think about it. and you're going to constantly be negotiating whether it's with the customer whether it's with your manufacturer you know or some sort of thing and so i think it's super helpful so okay uh, that, i'll put that on my book one one caveat is that then once you start doing it you will basically find yourself doing it even in your personal life but hey it is what it is okay yeah i, I like i like that kind of that coverage yeah it's so that just happens you know uh, the uh, another book that i really really enjoy is stephen covey's uh the seven habits of highly of i've read it it's such a great book so you know i I would say my biggest takeaway was like, you know, that optical illusion with the old lady, the young lady, and like yeah. I see things very, very open-minded these days, especially cuz right now I'm sort of like my community delegator with the restaurants and all those things. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, no good deed goes unpunished, and I understand why 30 different people have 50 different perspectives. And it like it gave me like an empathy that I don't previously have. I realize it's hard though to understand that everybody doesn't see it that way. So they're probably judging me in a way where I'm just like, okay, it's chill. I'm chill. I understand people people's mindset and they're probably thinking this person is she's crazy like, you know, but I'm handling it in stride and I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. So I and I understand. It's it's really 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 difficult. It's also a fear that I have in general in starting my own uh company to have a large company because all of a sudden, you know, everybody kind of puts their their livelihood in your in your hands. as yeah. as somebody who's 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 an employer and that's something that you know I'm terrified to do it's like I tell people right now especially in the culture of the hustle that I have to have somebody who's doing who's who has who has their own side hustle who has something like this would be their paying this would be their side hustle and this would that would be um they they have to pursue a, a paying gig And is that the way to start? I, I don't know. I've done that for, for the last 11 years or 13 years or something for multiple companies. But, you know, then you have to put your heart and soul into it eventually and that's eventually when the when the money comes in and I guess I've I've been in in the startup world. That's why I was talking about and that's why, you know, coming in the culture of so many failed startups and going going full circle here. 
that the experience it, it feels it feels very different and it feels kind of expected and it feels necessary to kind of think that way because I've worked with so many with so many stories and all these things. I don't want to write my own book on that. <laughs> I'll write my book on something else. <laughs> but yeah. Um yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think you know the the fear aspect that you mentioned, right? That you know you're accountable for someone else's livelihood. Yes, there is an element of fear, but actually, at some point, you will recognize that that actually is your superpower, because to some being able to do that, and I've always been a big believer in being able to pay it forward, right? And I've seen my parents in the businesses and the struggles that they've had, and you know the ebbs and flows that they go through, and I've also seen the reward that comes in, like for my mom's business. she's had the same employees with her for the last 30 years like she she even like if she sneezes they show up at home or they say she's leaving early they show up that evening just to check in on her whether she's doing okay and that is such a rewarding and fulfilling experience right so i think yes initially it is scary i mean it's always going to be scary there's nothing that's never not going to be scary but i think embracing that fear and using that to your advantage i think can be a really powerful thing because that means you have more empathy you're going to like you have that back you're almost like a family right and uh there is a sense of loyalty that you owe to them and whether they stick around or they don't uh they'll always like you know some way hopefully they'll be thankful for what you did with them and for them right and i think that's what's like most important yeah you know i love that it's funny because the empathy thing could go both ways i think the way you've embraced it is the right way um you know like i am not shy right now i'm launching you know a startup uh, a fragrance startup and i want it to become huge but it's i can't support my family on spending like you know i i i'm i'm a i'm crowdfunding and i'm not i haven't like you know my revenue is is you know a couple of thousand yeah my revenue is a couple thousand bucks and you know i still have to pay the bills and fortunately i work with a company that is so incredible i work with a company a vpn company purevpn.com amazing amazing mm-hmm. company you ever want a vpn purevpn.com is is the one to go with and they're just incredible they're so supportive of this venture knowing that I'm and knowing that they're supportive of this venture obviously implicitly makes me supportive of like even more supportive of them I want to go the extra mile to show them that I'm committed to my project but I'm committed to you more like equally or more so and I've worked like I said you know I've worked with so many failed startups in the past where I have not wanted to um I have not been given the empathy uh the expectation that I can live my life and do things besides work for this company um where it's been like literally if you're working I said you know I I'll give you 8 hours a day and the other 8 hours or whatever I'll I'll work toward another my other client that I you know you recruit and whatever and they're like if you're working 16 hours I literally heard this from the boss from the sky if you're working 16 hours a day then i want all 16 hours <laughs> like wow i know your her mouth dropped okay her mouth dropped we are again we are <laughs> we do see each other and and then you can't even imagine how that ensued the guy didn't pay me because you know i have another job and whatever um but you know i wasn't less committed to that i was you know you especially in a moment of an earlier time you need to show that you're this is this is a worthwhile pursuit uh for me and in my commitment to a company but yeah that that that's a culture that um 
some people like the i think nowadays now that we're in corona times and we're in challenging times and we basically have to make it work in our homes this is the perfect time for companies to understand there's humans beside behind the business so empathy hopefully is being adopted by more companies but at the same time i i just want to say i like i'm gonna make sure they listen <laughs> i love the i love the pure vpn guys because it's i just i really really appreciate the facts they, what they're doing and allowing me to pursue my dream while also um, pursuing their dream and making sure that that becomes like, you know, it goes out and about and everybody gets gets what they need. You know, like I just want to make sure that I'm able to provide um, for them in the best way that I can and support them in the best way that I can. Yeah, that's so, yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. All right, tangent, but <laughs> at the same time, it's like, it's one of these things that I've been feeling so heartwarming about lately, and I really had this reality when I was running today, and I was like, you know what, how do I tell them that I really thank, thank them? Like, I would give them a hug if we weren't, you know, a different parts of the world, but that's that's just something that I think about. So, yeah, talking about running, and we did talk about running, that was the one thing we talked about before the podcast started. I did a really crazy run, so I'm going to hear about Ikta's uh, story and your your self-care, which... I guess I'm I'm leading I'm leading the way here and I'm 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 not really leading the way. You're going to out outrun me, but tell me a little bit about your self-care regimen. Yeah, so I don't really I think for me I recognize like self-care is so important obviously after I experienced my burnout, right? And I think that's a big piece of it. Um I think stuff that I do is basically I try and do self-care stuff every day that makes basically makes me smile. Like a simple thing that I do is every I have a dog obsessed with dogs in general in life I feel like they're the best thing that could happen to mankind and so my dog sleeps on the bed with me so every morning that I wake up he obviously wakes up but he waits for me to say good morning to him and like absolutely licks my face I spend like about you know just like about a couple of minutes just playing with him because he's so happy that I have woken up now and I can play with him and that just makes my day and I feel like finding those little moments with him through the day like you know, just changes my mood and my perspective in life. So I would say that's a big, like spending time with my dog is a huge element of my self-care. And the other thing is actually going for running. And I know we spoke about a little bit and uh, even like days when I don't want to run, I try and go for a walk and just be by myself, whether you want to listen to music, you want to listen to a podcast, whether you like whatever, or you just want to listen to like cars honking, right? And I like that sound as well. I love the sound of chaos. And so I think just, even taking 30 minutes to do that is so, so helpful. Uh, just thinking and allows you to like sit with yourself more than anything else. And you don't necessarily have to think deep things. If you have things that are playing on your mind, you can sort them out. Even if you don't have to, I think it's just sitting with it and letting it sink in, I think is so important. And I think like those are the two big things that I do. And uh, I had started, I've not been good at it, although I've seen the benefits of it is basically journaling. Uh, so sometimes I do write it and now I try and like at least one thing that I do is I journal any ideas that I have this could be like the most random idea which is oh man why do I need to heat up my coffee five times a day I should just have a coaster which keeps my coffee warm I know something like this exists but I'm like oh I want to be the one who thinks of it right and so I have like this ideas book that I just like write these things down and I realize that that kind of gets me and they're like random ideas or, you know, things like that. But And then there are ideas which are very relevant to the business. And I just kind of write those ideas down. And I literally call it Ikta's Crazy Ideas book. And I put them put them in there. And then every few weeks, I like, every week I like open it up and see, 
oh, wow, you know, you've not been very creative this week or you have some really cool ideas. And I think it just keeps your creative juices flowing. And so those are like a few things that I do in terms of self-care. Yeah. Well, I love that journaling idea. I think that's really cool. I, I use, I don't use, write it down and I don't, I certainly don't have an ideas journal, but, oh, I use Google Keep to some degree for ideas, but uh, I use an app called Dailyo, D-A-Y-L-I-O. And it's like, you know, it's a daily journal. I think I'm at 704 consecutive days right now, I think as of last night. Um, but when I, you know, you the thing is if you miss a day, you can fill it in retroactively. So it's not like I'm always consistent, but I do make sure I know what I do every single day as best as I can. When the pandemic started, like everything was muddled and I was literally like <laughs> a pandemic happened. Like, but like usually like I'll have something uh, constructive to say and, um, I try to update it every night before midnight, but it's really like the entries, like you can write one sentence, you can just write your moods. There's like little tab, uh, tags or moods or whatever. There are moods, but then there's actually like tabs, like um, categories. I'm gonna actually look at mine really quickly. So you you choose, for example, your mood, and then you choose like, if it, what have you been up to? So like, for example, I have a fitness category, a fun category, a productivity category, a social and a social category. Um, like productivity is like going to the doctor or the dentist or like meditating, which I barely do, learning, reading, giving myself a pep talk, fat, intermittent fasting stuff, technology, journaling, you know, like so the things like that. <laughs> I think it's something you should take a look at because it's like low friction and like it's just a maintain, maintaining yourself on a regular daily basis. Um, and yeah. For running, I agree with you. Um, and if I don't run, I walk as well. So <laughs> I get it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I try and I've literally, I've, I December 24th, 2018 was the day I started. Um, it's been consecutive as well since that. So I get it. Oh, so, wow. yeah. Yeah. Do you run, like, do you run 5Ks or you just run to run? Because mo- a lot of people run with, with something in mind. So just where I know you, yeah. Tell me more. I'm a little competitive, even if that's with myself, it sounds weird, but I am that person. And so uh, I started when I started running, I started with like two miles and my goal was how do you do, how do you just do better every day? Just do better. That means yesterday I did two, today I do just do 2.1, but I've done better, right? And I think now I run basically about five miles and in May actually, when through the pandemic, I kind of like would go for massive runs and I'd hit an eight mile run in one go and it was one of the most amazing things obviously the two days after that you're in like massive pain but I think it's totally worth it and you can like test your endurance levels and stuff like that but that's on an average I at least make it a point every day to like run or walk at least between three to five miles and uh, on days when I'm feeling very adventurous so I need to like you know just compete with myself I'll be like okay let's try and do eight miles today and see where that takes us and how that makes me feel and so yeah, but on an average, that's how much I do. Yeah. Well, that's amazing goal setting. Yeah, I'm I'm working my way toward that. I I I, I you know I've talked about it in the previous podcast. I like I got the, to the 5K and I'm still hoping to get to the 10K. But I'm, I did the 10K trainer, you know, the Zen Fitness trainer for 10K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've only run like four or five miles. I because I'm I'm slow and I'm okay being slow because then again it's based on a 10 minute mile pace and I'm a little slower, especially with COVID. I'm even slower than usual. So I found a new app. It's, it seems to be free called the Vandersoft half marathon trainer. Um, and it's a 21 K and I don't know if I'll ever get there, but maybe I'll get the 10 K with the half marathon trainer. So I'm like, you know what? I'm proud of myself. I'm getting it done. But yeah. Um, so 
Should, I don't know, because you, you, you have your own comp- competition. I, I just uh, today I'm throwing out lots of books and lots of apps <laughs> and books, book ideas. Uh, never really come. I've never had any actionable <laughs> insights, but today I do. So, yeah, um, I you, let me let me ask you, like, I guess maybe like a wrap up question, if that's OK here. It's the yeah. common. OK, cool. So it's the common sense question. If you were to tell your earlier version of yourself um, something, give her some piece of advice, what would you tell her? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I think I would just say that, uh, I think the biggest thing I would say is just uh, be yourself all the time and it's totally fine. I think that's the biggest thing that I would say. I did go through a phase where, and I give a little context because I did go through a phase where especially when I moved here in Silicon Valley, you know, you read all of these Wired and TechCrunch and all this media and like, we obviously are reporting all these happy stories and things like that. No one really talks about, you know, things that didn't go well or, you know, the challenges that their company faced. So I felt like I had to be this person that they were projecting. And I felt like it, uh, I was taking away who I truly am and, you know, being like pretty inauthentic to some extent, and like struggling and almost people call it like an imposter syndrome. Right. And I think it's a very real thing that everyone goes through and experiences. And if anything, I'd say it doesn't matter what people say. People, everyone has a mouth and they want to speak. And that's about it. <laughs> you just have to do your own thing and be your own person. So I'd say like that is a big piece of advice that I would give myself. And I feel like now I've come to a place where I do actually follow that. I don't do anything that I don't want to do. And I see a lot more no's today than more yeses. And I feel like that's been a big piece of uh, change for me. Yeah, I think that's important. I think that's very valuable. And I definitely agree. Being yourself is so important. That's also kind of the premise of why I started my brands, because I was hiding behind. I was hiding. I wasn't saying anything. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get out there. I'm going to admit like I did yesterday. And I'm not kidding. What was it yesterday? might have been two days ago. I, I'm going to admit that I had milk that expired on July 6th. It, okay, for the record, everybody, today's July 29th. <laughs> Are you yes. feeling okay? I probably I'm, feel I should ask you that. I ran four miles this morning. I've been up since 4 well, o'clock. I think that's that what did it. That's your protein I don't know. I Like I was saying the other day, the Costco Kirkland, Kirkland cows are the real deal because, like, hello, it didn't smell bad at all, and I'm still here. So... Let me say that. Now I'm going to really admit to these things that people will never share with anybody. So yes, 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 and yes. All right. And I like saying now, but now I have to start saying no. So, you know, taking it out of your playbook. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ekta. Um, where can we go, tell, tell, spell out your website so make people know that they can find you and tell us where we can um, normally like follow you on social and all the things. Yeah, so the website is nomadry, N-O-M-A-D-O-R-Y dot com. So you can find us there. And yeah, the best way to get in touch is actually by email, which is on the website. And you can follow me on Instagram, which is ekta1509. Although I'm a private person, I don't have much to say there. But yeah, or you can follow me on Twitter or Medium. Again, it's just ekta.adani and you can find me there. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for this. I really, this has been fun. Thank you. Yeah, this was great. And yeah, I had a blast. So thank you so much. And I wish you all the best in your fundraise. And I'm sure it's going to come through. So hang in there. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host, Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time.